Hey everybody, Adrian here, one of the co-hosts of Sidebar Forever, the new version of the former Sidebar Pop Culture Podcast. Every month, Sidebar Forever posts brand new episodes discussing and examining pop culture and art-related topics. However, as a bonus and a reminder to listeners who followed us in our previous incarnation, we're representing some of our vintage back episodes. Many of our classic interviews and roundtables will once again be available in our podcast feed. So, please enjoy this back episode from the Barchives, and don't forget to subscribe to Sidebar Forever on SidebarForever.com, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else you get your podcast. And hey, follow us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you don't miss a single new episode of Sidebar Forever. In today's episode, we have a very special guest on the show. Yes, we do. Uh, long time coming, sort of. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he is a, a legend in the comics business, and uh, he is a, a part of a Maverick crew that you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. What is our guest name, Adrian? Man, that would be one Wils Pertasio. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you're a big fan of Wils's, right? Man, absolutely, man. Little 13-year-old me, man. This has been about... <laughs> Shoot, 17 years coming. How about that? Okay, all right. That's really been coming, yo. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, I, I approached Don Wills about coming on the show, and graciously, graciously he accepted. And, um, yeah, we, we get into some really good stuff in our conversation. Uh, give everybody a little bit of a bio on uh, on Wills Potasio, just a quick Wikipedia version, if you would. All right, well, um, Wills Potasio uh, was born in 1963. In the Philippines, made his way to the States where he met um, Scott Williams, amongst others, and the two of them kind of began a lengthy career that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. And throughout his career, he became um, famous uh, for working on X books, Uncanny X Men, mm-hmm. Creation of Bishop, X Factor, Punisher. And, you know, he formed up Image as one of the seven original creators. Mm-hmm. And, um, he started from there, and he came, continues to work in the industry to this day. Cool, cool. Did uh, did anything particular come up in the conversation as far as uh, Wilson's career or anything, anything that uh, that you didn't know? Because I know you you told me before we talked to Wills, you said, "Man, yes. I got Wills coming out of my ears, yeah. dog." <laughs> <laughs> well, did anything surprise you? Yeah, kind of like the um, the the in between stories of kind of like the the broader picture that we know of. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of get into, you know, once he got Art Adams' um, pages for Long Shot, you know, what was his reaction and how did he go about doing it? Mm-hmm. And the answer may surprise you. Mm-hmm. And then also him talking about, you know, what was it like forming up Image, you know, that whole whirlwind of a time, mm-hmm. you know, just talk about the excitement and, you know, just how how things went. And again, that answer may surprise you as well. Okay. You know, and uh, just a lot of, I, I think overall too, the, the basic beat is that he's very indomitable. That's the feeling that I've always had about his work. Mm-hmm. Like regardless of whatever trends are going to come or whatnot, he's always going to draw the way that he wants to draw. Mm-hmm. And nothing can hold him back from being like the best artist that he can be. And he relates that story as well later on in the uh, conversation. All right. All right, well, cool. Well, to quote you, sir, 
I, I was not on the conversation with you. This was Adrian going solo with Wills Portacio. So when you all get to hear it, I'll be just like the next man standing in line. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look it. <laughs> Wait, waiting to download my uh, my version of it so that I can uh, so I can enjoy it. But uh, we definitely thank Wills for coming on the show. And I also want mm-hmm. to give thanks to uh, George Corey uh, for his book Image Comics: The Road mm-hmm. to Independence, mm-hmm. which was an invaluable resource in the preparation of uh, this uh, conversation. And it's just a great read as well. So get it if you can from Tomorrow's Publishing. M- most definitely. That is an excellent book. And, and and outside of thanking Wills and outside of thanking George, we also want to thank our friend Laniel Francis Hughes. Yes. Uh, he was our uh, our go-between in, uh, in terms of putting us in touch with Wills. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, was, he was instrumental in making this conversation happen. Uh, we've got an episode of the show that's coming up here pretty soon, probably in the next month or two, yeah. where we're going to uh, talk about some of the great Filipino artists of the 70s and 80s that we're all huge fans of. Yes. And uh, and Laniel and uh, and Wills definitely represent like a new guard of uh, of, of, of those artists, uh, as talented as they are. So. Yeah, absolutely. So please enjoy the interview, as I will. <laughs> and uh, this is Wills Presacio. Mm. The Interview. My, my reading tells me that you were actually born in the Philippines. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, you, you were a Navy kid, so you kind of moved around a lot? Uh, yeah, yeah, especially at that time, uh, quote-unquote, Asian minorities. They had us, like, all over the West Coast and all over the Pacific. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, you know, hey, you know, that's a climate that suited me, so right. I, had to, I had to find them, I mean, especially since we ended the whole tour with four years in, in Hawaii oh, right. um, as I was a teenager guy. Ooh. So, like, hey, perfect place yeah. <laughs> to be as a teenager. So, hey, I, didn't, I had nothing to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, now I guess, where, where did your interest in art come in? Were you always interested in art, or was there a catalyst or anything? Well, um, uh, it, it's yes and no. I mean, it's 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 an interesting story that um, the the the, ins, the the interest was really widespread. I mean, it was something as simple as you know, like I think it was what what was it? I was like twelve, you know, no, I was like maybe 10, 11 years old, mm-hmm. and every day, you know, you, you get up real early to go to school, and I go out my door. And about 50 yards away, no, 50 or 50 feet away, there's a, there was this tree. Mm-hmm. It was just a tree amongst 5 million other trees, but it was straight out of my door. So the first thing I would see bolting out the door, you know, the door to go to school. And, and through the seasons, I would see it. And this was in Pacific, so not that many seasons, you know. Right. But um, through the year, it, it would change its appearance. And as a little kid, that just intrigued me. Why? Why does it look different today? You know, mm-hmm. than a couple months ago, and um, that there, and I started understanding, getting interested in light logic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then led me into because of studying that. So then, hey, I started studying people because they they were doing interesting things and stuff too. And so all of that studying of quote unquote life around me. Um, then led me to to want to represent, you know, draw it, put it down on paper, mm-hmm. and and unlike most kids, w- w- when you have a, a slight facility with something, when you first start out, you keep going with it, right. you know. You know, I mean, like for me, you know, even though I'm Filipino, you know, when I was a kid, I I, I tried to 
you know, shoot the hoops, but could never get it in the hoop. So, <laughs> so I stopped after I went back to drawing, uh-huh. you know, and so that just led me to keep going. And since I was uh, a Navy brat, um, um, in those years when I was starting to be aware of stuff and trying to study stuff, I was on Midway Island. Mm. And Midway Island is, it was, you know, the place of this huge naval battle. And right. So... Uh, one cool thing for a little kid, I mean, you know, just a little preteen, was that um, only one-eighth of the island was covered in cement for, mm-hmm. you know, family housing, for the Navy Exchange and, and the officers' clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. The rest of it, the rest of the seven-eighths, you know, was restricted forest area. So were there, like, <laughs> old pillboxes still there from the... Yeah, for, for, so for a little... You know, for a little kid, a little boy, it's wow. like restricted area. Are you crazy? <laughs> so we got into every warehouse, every bit of the forest. Like you said, there were. We found pillboxes. Wow. We found these big. I, don't, I forget what they call it, but you know, um, you've seen those huge artillery guns. Well, yeah. they had to make these huge. You know, like like uh, 50 feet um, wide um, cement emplacements for that. Yeah. In fact, that's actually in those places. That's where, because um, uh, I was in the Boy Scouts, that's where we would have our bonfires inside of those. Wow. Um, and, um, oh, and <laughs> to, to join our club, because everybody on the island had a club, uh-huh. um, to join our club, you had to find your own uh, bayonet shovel. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You could, if you if you couldn't find one, then you couldn't join our club. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it was great. I mean, you know, like for a little kid, it was like you know, school's over and boom, we're we're out there playing army all day long, and and the sun and it was Pacific, so the sun went down at nine nine thirty. Mm-hmm. So we were out there for like six seven hours every day. And it was Navy, so everybody knew everybody, so there was no problems. Parents didn't freak out if you were anywhere, you know. So, I mean, we would just roam every. I mean, there was one time we did this huge um, uh, hike, trying to hike the whole island uh, along the beaches, and we just happened to be on the day that when we got to the submarine pens on the far, far side of the island, which were restricted, mm-hmm. um, was when one of the big nuclear subs came in, and, and it was carrying um, President Ford. Whoa! He was he was inspecting the islands, and yeah. so. We got, you know, we had walkie-talkies, and so we would listen to the chatter of the cop choppers, you know, uh-huh. checking everybody out, and we had binoculars, and, you know, we did the whole, you know, military sci-fi thing, like it was a mission to spy on, you know, <laughs> the president and stuff. But, yeah, no, it was it was all fun, and that's where I got really got into all this military stuff, mm. like the wet works and stuff like that, you know, I, I, I mean, I was able back then to just really sink into do all of that stuff and, 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 and daydream about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. That was going to be something that I was going to definitely uh, touch on later on as well. I guess um, going from there, um, you eventually made your way to um, San Diego, and mm-hmm. um, you went to high school with uh, Scott Williams, the uh, famous anchor. Right. Now, how did you right. two um, link up back in high school? Uh, he, was, um, he was a senior... And I was uh, a freshman. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, just real quickly, ever since grade six, um, in every school that I was transferred to, there just happened to be some kind of an art teacher. Yeah. And so the first teacher recognized me in, in sixth grade. And every time I transferred to school, she would she would make she would call ahead basically and make sure there was another teacher waiting for me. And so so I got art training early. 
So by the time I got into um, uh, my first year in high school, oh, and and this was in Hawaii too. I mean, it was at Radford High School. Rams go, you know. Um, <laughs> but in my first year there, um, since I was so advanced, I had I was put into the senior class, mm. into Scott Williams' class. Wow. And that's where we met, and he, he he was a big collector at the time still. And so he showed me all these, he introduced me to Neil Adams and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and uh, oh, and this is interesting, too. He was the penciler, and I was the inker. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, so that's where we met, and that's where we then um, start because then we started doing stuff together, our own zines and stuff that uh, we started forming that bond. And so that when he went off to college, um, uh, fortunately, well, fortunately for me at the time, um, not fortunate for him, but fortunate for me, mm-hmm. um, he didn't really get in right away. Mm-hmm. And then, so when I got out of, uh, college and then I tried to, to try, you know, started to try at Marvel, mm-hmm. um, we met up again at San, at, actually at San Diego con, mm-hmm. um, that very first year that I, that I, that I got in and, uh, and I, and, you know, I still didn't re you know, cause you know, he was, the, he was the big guy and I was the, you know, the, fr- the pub the freshman guy. Yeah. And so even going into comics, it was that way. He knew more than comics about, you know, more about comics than I did. And so when I so when I got in, and I was lucky enough to get in, I mean, then I, I, I meet up with Scott right at that moment. Then I go, hey, dude, you know, uh, you know, help me out here. And, you know, he agreed to be my assistant and uh, show me, basically show me the ropes. I mean, I was such a dweeb. You know, I inked my, my first thing that I inked, it was a uh, first issue of Long Shot. Yeah. And I inked it. I knew nothing about this. And this is before, this is about a week before Scott came over because mm-hmm. he, he lived with me for a while in San Diego. I finished the job, inked it, put it into the FedEx buck and mailed it off, and I, got, I was so proud of myself. Yeah. Well, the next day, well, not the next day, the day after, um, the package came back. Uh-huh. I, I hadn't erased the pencil page, pencil oh, lines yet. no. <laughs> what a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I needed Scott to show me all the ropes after that. <laughs> Well, well, but yeah, that's how we started our, our quote unquote our working relationship. But but yeah, we we knew each other since high school. Oh, cool. Well, and and that and that begs the question too. I mean, once you broke in, and like the first assignment you get, well, one of the first was inking Art Adams on Longshot. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get the pages from Art Adams, because I mean, even then, you know, at that stage, she was very very detailed, and you could see the makings of the great penciler that he was going to mm-hmm. become even then. How daunting was it to get those pencils and, you know, with yourself just kind of being a neophyte also with the inking? You know, what, what was your first impression of getting those pencils on that assignment? Y- you know my secret? Mm. Stupidity. <laughs> 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 I had no idea who Art Adams was. Mm. I had no idea what inking was. I just knew that ever since I was a kid, I was being groomed to be an artist, and I knew I was an artist. And so when I get this job, I go, yeah, sure, go ahead, sure, cool. I get it, and then I start, and I just do it. Mm-hmm. And then I just send it in, and oh, cool, a paycheck comes. Mm-hmm. And and basically most of my career has just been like that. I've never really thought or second thought anything. It's just... Uh, I, mean, I even look at things as a challenge. It's it's just, hey, you want to do the X Men? Uh, cool, cool, sure. 
you know, I get in a year later, I, I, I become aware that, oh, well, this is the biggest office and this is the biggest book in the industry. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I seriously, whenever I got into I mean, image, you know, you know, Jim comes up to me and says, hey, you know, we're doing this and, and uh, are you going to, you know, we want you to join. Are you going to join? Are you going to be the last guy? Mm-hmm. And then I turn to Scott and go, Scott, should I do this? And, and Scott goes, yeah, I'm doing it. I go, okay, sure. <laughs> no problem. I mean, and, you know, that, uh, you know, if if I give anybody advice, that's, that's one of the things. I mean, um, you know, here I was, you know, again, starting from the sixth grade, being groomed to be some kind of an artist, mm-hmm. more likely at that time, you know, a fine artist. And then, you know, uh, get introduced to comics uh, through Scott through high school. And then I graduate. I happen to be in San Diego where they happens to be the biggest convention even at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And my cousin, my older cousin takes me over there. I had no idea what it's all about. He says, bring your stuff. I bring my stuff. I show some of the editors. The editors have to be there. They said, hey, you want to work for us? I go, hey, yeah, I'm doing nothing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so my, my advice is, you know, art is a huge, huge field. I mean, I could have gone into it and ended up becoming a dancer or a singer or, yeah. or you know, or you know, or you know, an inker, you know, or a digital painter, you know. Mm-hmm. But the point is, if you don't get in right away, then you've got to go off and do something else to justify your life, right? Yeah. You know, and and to make. You know, hey, I want to buy a PlayStation, right, or something like that. And so, you got to do something else. And the more you do some, more time t- you take away to do something else, the less time you have for your art, and the less chance you're actually going to be an artist. Mm. So I always advise people, no matter what the opportunity is, jump in. I mean, look at look at Ben Sinclair. I mean, he became he was one of our best digital colorists in the field. He yeah. was one of our first art directors for the coloring department in Wildstorm. He became an editor for DC. Now he's again out freelance as a colorist. Well, guess what? When we hired him, he was doing T-shirts mm. for a tiny company. Okay, you know. So you know, he just took this opportunity, saw this ad for digital artists. What's that? It's, it, it didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. You know. So take whatever opportunity you can, um, just to get in, and so that you can keep in and get paid. And, and and have the real chance to then just show who you really are. And hey, you might not even know who you really are at the time, but you might, but but you know that you want to want to do something creative. Yeah. So just get in and let it go. Let it lead you somewhere. I mean, none of us, Mark, Todd, Rob, myself, nobody thought. Um, we hope comics would become big. We hope people would like comics, but none of us, none of us had any idea it would be this. Yeah. I mean, my grandmother brings comic books home for me to sign for her friends. You know, it's that crazy these days, you know? But none of us ever ever thought... We all, seriously, we all thought it would last maybe three years. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And it almost looked like that, too, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's what I wanted to get into, Wills, just in terms of... Uh, just, just um, the the foundation, because it seemed like, mm-hmm. like you said, it's definitely um, a a venture. Like you go forth into it, and right. things just kind of build upon itself. Like this goes into this to this, and you know, looking back over your career, that definitely seems to be the case. Like um, with you being um, kind of once you started doing Punisher, 
And around that same time, you know, Jim Lee was doing Punisher War Journal. And you, right. you guys had also done some stuff on Alpha Flight. So it's like you were already circling in each other's orbit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And right. it kind of congealed once you guys started doing the X-Books, um, mainly Uncanny X-Men and X-Factor. Um, talk about those days. Um, that's definitely something I wanted to um, ask, just in regards to um, yourself, Jim Lee, and Scott Williams forming um, Homage Studios, you know, in this apartment. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I have no shame. I mean, um, for some reason, I still can't understand. Well, I guess I can understand. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of people um, have uh, have negative connota- connotations to competition. Okay, you know, competition is is a thing that drives. It, it can drive you. Mm-hmm. You know, competition for me gets negative when, you know, you start trying to kill each other, right? Okay, so, like, if you don't cross that line, <laughs> competition is good. It keeps you pushing. It keeps you awake. Mm-hmm. And that was the real relationship between Jim and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it was cool because, okay, like you said, in, 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 in the very first incarnation of Armor Studios was just um, Jim, Scott, and myself in an apartment in San Diego. Yeah. And Scott was the middleman because he was both of our inkers. And so, Jim, so if, if I hear Scott piping up because Jim just handed him a really cool page for him to ink, mm-hmm. I go, shit, that I, <laughs> I'm going to do better than that. <laughs> and, and, and so I try to do a page so good that then Scott will go start piping up again. But about my page, and Jim would react the same way to, 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 to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we kept on our toes, and that's how we kept um, uh, uh, trying to outdo each other and trying to keep that edge going higher and higher, the, 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 the quality and level going higher and higher. Because, I mean, one of the real realities of being an artist is, I mean, you know, here, here I am, um, uh, I think next year will be 30 years maybe, and I'm still doing sometimes, you know, 12-hour, you know, 15-hour days, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so it's hard work, but it's very isolated work. Mm-hmm. And so if I was like most starters, you know, alone in a room, just doing my stuff, and, you know, it, the work is such that, you know, you do your 20, 22, including cover 23 pages of artwork, and you're finished, the next day you get the next plot, and you just got to move on. So you can very easily lose track of whether you're approving or whether you're slipping Mm -hmm. because it's just you. I mean, it's just you and your ego. So, you know, am am I drawing as good as I used to or am I drawing better or am I just just flatlining here? Mm -hmm. You know, so but when you have another guy there, another artist there and you could see from that person's work or that person, the way that person reacts to your work. Um, then that keeps you going. That keeps your juices um, up. I mean, I remember there was a, 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 a to epitomize our relationship, Jim and I's relationship. There was this one time where we left the we always left the studio about nine nine thirty, mm-hmm. and so me and Scott are packing up to go, and Jim's still there, and we go, dude, where you go? What are you doing? And and he goes, I, I got a deadline tomorrow, so I'm gonna do an all nighter. Mm-hmm. So we leave and we come back, and you know, in the morning. Um, uh, and he's, you know, still awake doing pages wow. and about, uh, around, uh, around lunchtime. 
he he gets his second win, you mm-hmm. know, and he's like he's hyper, he's up all over the place, and he's just about ready for FedEx. And then five o'clock comes around, and he's he's packing and he's rushing, and he gets and he finishes the deadline, and he comes back. And we think he, he think we thought he would just go back to his house, and but he comes back to the studio, and he's still pumped, <sighs> and and then he's going, dude, I I I I just did twenty eight hours, and we go. Well, cool, cool, and then but see, <laughs> that's not what I was saying inside. Yeah, I was I was going, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so when my deadline comes <laughs> and they're packing up, I'm going, oh, I, I, I'm I'm gonna stay over. <laughs> and so after I go off at five o'clock the next day for the FedEx, and I come back, and I'm pumped up because the same thing happened at twelve o'clock. You, uh, I forget what hour that is, but at twelve o'clock, all of a sudden you get the second win, mm-hmm. and you're just up, and you just don't want to, you don't want to do- go down. Mm-hmm. And so I come, and I go thirty, <laughs> 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 and then Jim goes thirty-two the next time. Oh man! And then we both look at each other and go. Okay, quits. Okay, we're even. <laughs> but that's how it was. That's how it was. And 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 that that really uh, I, I could see both our careers going a lot differently if there wasn't that 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 little bit like that in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I mean the books definitely reflected that. I mean the hard work, the long hours, the the competition. You know, obviously. The, the fans benefited from that because I mean the books even today I, I have several here right beside me they, they, they're awesome I mean they're, they're fantastic they're just so vibrant and full of energy you know and I mean that, that was just such a golden period and you know as a young comics reader myself just coming up you know reading your stuff man it's just like man Man, it got me juiced. So by transference, I too was juiced. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know the uh, seriously, you know the other secret there that's not too well known. Hmm. Um, there's there's a guy um, by the name of Carl Altstetter. He's uh, he's I've a toy designer right now. Yeah. But he was our assistant in those days. He was the very first assistant, basically. In, 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 in the field. There were other art assistants who would like fill in blacks or, mm-hmm. or you know, help out with the pages or something like that. He did that, but he was also our studio convention guy mm-hmm. because he was of the age of you guys. Um, we actually called him our little buddy. Oh. And he would go out to conventions and stuff and he, you know, he, he, was, he was comics throughout, through, you know, core, you know, in the core. Yeah. And so... If you wanted to get close to us, you had to get through. You had to get Carl's attention first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he. I mean, he was. He was like the head. I mean, he was our face. He was our. You know, our voice out there, and we used him in the sense that mm-hmm. here we are competing against each other, Jim and I, to 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 really, you know, take our ideas and put them out as, as best as we can, mm-hmm. and we used him as our finger on the pulse. Mm. Since he was so so into everything, into uh, I mean not just comics but everything that that your generation and stuff was into, yeah, we could throw something at him—a concept, a design, a character, or whatever, a situation—and depending on the way he would react to it, that's the way we would do it. 
Gosh, that's that's now see that's probably exactly as you said the secret of the success because I mean it it hit on everything. I mean as far as like even now looking back, I can see mm-hmm. touches of manga. You know, just as, you know, manga's really getting big and popular over here, you know, Mm -hmm. and just other things in the popular culture, like certain movies of that time, you know, um, Mm -hmm. certain archetypes, you know, that were being present in popular culture that you guys all brought into, you know, the work. And it's just like, man, you know, it takes you right back to that time and place. And, um, you know, it's just it's still even exciting to this to this day. Actually, Jim and I back then had this one conversation where we actually put it, we actually voiced it out, and we said that, you know, if people start doing what we're doing, then we got to do something else. Mm. And that's how we always kept moving up. I mean, and you, you're right in, in, in what you assume in, in the, during those X, X days. Yeah. It, it, it was, um, we had gotten um, some of the first actual mangas of, uh, we were, and we were some of the first people in the U.S. to get them, yeah. of Appleseed. Mm, mm. And we had dub tapes, uh, VH, I mean, this is VHS back then, we had dub <laughs> tapes of, uh, of uh, Macross Speedo. Yeah. Um, the very first Macross movie with the very first, you know, transforming jets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we just absorbed all that stuff, and that's what became cyberpunk in... in you know, in what we did with the ex office, with especially the day, with, you know, when, 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 uh, when the, the characters would go into the future, and we would try to figure out that whole cable thing and stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that gear, all of that stuff, was because of the Appleseed stuff, the yeah. influence that we got from there. And again, this was like, I don't, gosh, this was like, what, ten years, fifteen years before it became actually popular here. Yeah, 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 and you know that's the other thing I noticed too. I mean, going back and looking over. Um, those back issues, you know, in preparation for this interview, it's just how much there was an Asian influence, you know, in the storylines of that time. Like, you know, the storylines with the cyberpunk stuff, but also with Shinobi Shaw um, mm-hmm. and X yeah. Factor, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the team of um, Japanese um, Yakuza uh, assassins yeah. and so forth. Uh, you can definitely see that even now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. It, it, it's, it's really interesting for me... Um, Especially when, because um, I just did this, you know, you know, every now and then I, I have a niece or something going into college, and they want me, they want me to be the subject of a term paper and stuff. And so a lot of times that that art question comes up. So like, is the violence and the quote unquote sexism in comics, is uh, is that us trying to influence a generation, or as I always say, is that a mirror into society? Mm-hmm. And I always say it's the mirror into a mirror of what is underlying in the society at that moment because um you know through the years you know a lot i mean back then in the ex office we were starting to get into all that kind of stuff but we couldn't really come out full-blown with a lot of the different parameters of that kind of stuff because it, it it was one you know unknown here and two some people wouldn't um, understand it. Mm-hmm. Now I can do every weird, quirky little aspect of Jap- Japanese society or Japanese character, and people would get it now. Yeah. You know, but you know, back then I couldn't, even though I wanted to, because I was really into all that. I mean, even back then during the X days, I was in the in, into what now is the idols. I mean, the 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 girl singing stars and stuff like that. Okay, like J-pop you know, and stuff. 
yeah, 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 way, way before it became um, uh, J-pop. And, you know, way back then I was watching the uh, the, the Kohaku shows, the, the New Year's song festivals between the guy singers and the girl singers. And, and I watched those because they had these humongously fabulous costumes and stage <laughs> designs, the, the the stages themselves would transform and stuff like that. Wow. And a lot of that design sensibility, that's what we used in in the X-Men to, to, to for our futuristic um, gear and stuff and to, 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 to pump up uh, the costumes of the X-Men and stuff. Hmm. But again, you know, that whole thing, and that's where it started, that whole thing of just grabbing influence every, everywhere you could find something different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to that art question, you know, again, if I went really too far with that stuff, um, you know, uh, people wouldn't understand it. So I'd have to slowly kind of do it. And then uh, until, you know, like like right now, well, like I said before, you know, everybody's really all into that. And so they all understand it. Now you can do all the crazy stuff and, you know, and um, and. And that's how our whole whole career was. I mean, a lot of people forget there was a comics code. Mm-hmm. You know, there were. I mean, and look, Jim and I started on the Punisher books, right? Right. So, and we, and, and you know, like I was working with uh, 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 Mike Barron. You know, one yeah. of the most grimmest realists. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> if he had his way, you know, we, we, I would anatomically, you know, chop somebody's head off or something, you know, correctly, you know. Right. But we couldn't do that, you know, <laughs> yeah. especially under the comics code. So, so all the violence that people and sex, quote unquote sexism that people are seeing right now, is because that is a big part of the society. And if you seriously, if you really look at our society, I mean, it's all over the place. We didn't start it, you know, and no other industry started it. It, 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 it was a, it's it's the country. It was a society. We're, we're just. You know, we're, we're, we're different back then. We're kind of in an experimental rebel stage right now as a whole, it seems. Mm. And, you know, the way it shakes out, I, I, I don't know. You know, everybody has their opinions. Everybody has, you know, where they, they'd like it all to shake out. But mm-hmm. Now, I have one other question in regards to just, just that period there. Um, the creation of Bishop, um, mm-hmm. he debuted in the, the last couple of pages of Uncanny X-Men 282. And uh, with with Bishop, I, I did want to ask. Um, initially, was was Bishop always meant to be um, black, as opposed to like you know, with all the other um, Asian influences that I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, why why black or African American as opposed to Asian? Because I know that one of the other um, Rangers that came back with him through the portal, uh, he looks to be Asian. I think uh, his name was Randall. Um, yeah. So yeah. So well, was Bishop always meant to be black and kind of like what was the thought process into his creation? Um, it's it, it's very interesting. I mean, that, that's a question that always um, gets um, thrown around, and uh, um, uh, uh, it's not as exciting as as it would seem because again, like as I alluded to before, you know, you do the work, um, which entails long, long hours, and then you finish the last page, and the next day you get another plot, mm-hmm. and then you just have to keep doing it. I mean, in fact, I, I've, I've had more, I mean, and, and everybody has had this experience, where, you know, years later, or even a year later, you go to a convention, and somebody has you to sign something, and you go, oh, wow, I did that. <laughs> you know, you, you, I mean, you just, you just have so much stuff that yeah. you've done, you know, um, that uh, my point is that drawing Bishop, I mean, Creating Bishop was part of the job. Mm-hmm. 
it basically seriously was like this. Here's the timeline. Uh, we're getting the two new books ready, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the big uh, double-team, uh, you know, two-team X-Men launch. And um, somebody makes a comment, I think it was Jim, that, you know, his team was um, super-powered up. Um, he was taking all the new characters. Yeah. And I had no problems with that, because if you follow my whole career, I've always just followed the original team. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I was on X-Factor, that's why I was in X-Force, that's why I was on Uncanny. Yeah. I followed the original team, because that's the team I knew, and that's the team I wanted to draw. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in quote-unquote, uh, you know, and again, I've been in 30 years, so different periods, uh, the, 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 the thing of... Uh, you know, old school and new, and, and you know, new school comes up, and at that time, my team, quote unquote, the old original team, was considered old school, mm-hmm. so they were considered a little powered down. So Bob then calls up and says, um, "We'll create a new character for your team, make him really super hyper um, big, and and the only limitation I'll give you is make sure everybody on the team reacts to him in some way." Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Carl Allsetter. Um, he, you know, our little buddy at the time. Um, I go. This is a great time to actually use his brain, yeah. and um, uh, and so I go. Okay, here we sit down, um, Carl and I, and we take each of the X-Men and we encapsulate them into a character, mm-hmm. into you know just a character, basic character traits, and then we go. Okay, so this character is like this. Like for instance, um, uh, Colossus was the 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 big man in a small you know the, no the the little boy in a big man's body mm, right mm-hmm. you know because there was a lot of it in, in a sense related to him though he probably could smash you into a pulp right <laughs> right okay so what if we had then Carl and everything okay what if we had then for four colossus what if we had a guy who was equally big and powerful but he was pure man through and through mm. so. Um, uh, Peter would be maybe a little coy by this guy because he's everything that he would hope to become. Right. But everybody, by just appearance, thinks he already is. But he he knows he 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 isn't. So that's how we then. So then we took Storm and so on and so on, and we put all of those traits together into a character, and we tried to make him work, and we finally made him work. In um, this kind of a character where we say he's from a very, very tough world, mm-hmm. the days of future past, and uh, it's such a tough, tough world that you have to be tough. If you're not tough, you die. Mm-hmm. So he's just tough because that's his world. But what if, unlike Wolverine, where he becomes jaded because he lives in a tough situation, what if he's just this really jovial, happy cool, you know, people person, but just happens to live in this horrible world and just happens to have the skills to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a job to him. If he ever gets into any situation where it's not this horrible world, hey, he's just a cool guy. (laughs) Hey, let's just have a nice time. Hey, let's just live life, you know? And so once that's set, we then, Carl, Carl and I then went on to the design and um, a lot of a lot of it was mine. His was the believe it or not the uh, the cowboy kerchief thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the Jerry curls. <laughs> <laughs> 
I had I had my doubt <laughs> in the beginning, <laughs> but but he he was this big Prince guy, yeah. and even though Prince I, I don't think Prince had Jared curls, but he 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 just kept pushing that, and uh-huh. and I tried to make it work, and apparently you know people didn't notice it too much. Right. <laughs> um, and then he um, said, "Oh gosh, she's got to be in a uniform in you know my military upper here." Yeah. No problem. So, um, did the did the whole military bit, and I've been I was always dying to do those you know those those the desert commando um, uh, pants you know with the flares on the oh yeah uh, like the like the jodhpurs yeah 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 and so you know so, so so then we we do that and then so I, I I'm I'm confident now but now this is like only two weeks because you know we've got to get him into the book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, the, basically the next week. We, I mean, uh, uh, that's why the romance is gone because it's it's just we just got to sit down and do it. We we can't just sit down and you know wait for inspiration to come. We just gotta okay, let's just get it done. It's not you know it's not like oh okay this is these are ideas that we've had for ten years and we've been festering and we've been you know percolating them. No no, it's just okay. What do we need to do? And we did it. And so then we call up uh, uh, Bob pitched mm-hmm. the character to Bob and I originally wanted to make him Filipino. Yeah. Because I had done a couple little bits in comics where there was a those those a shot where I had Colossus wearing a leather jacket. I remember that. And he had a Filipino flag and I got a lot of response from that. So we, that's when we started really noticing the fans. Yeah. And so I go, okay, hey, I, I should maybe try to do a Filipino character. Now, Bob, uh, we pitched a character, and Bob really liked the character. And before I could say Filipino, Bob goes, accounting wants um, to know if it, if you have no problems making this character black because mm-hmm. there's a huge community out there. And we're getting all these letters saying, you know, when are we going to put somebody into the X-Men? Mm-hmm. And so I go, again, no problem. I mean, again, you know, I'm thinking, hey, at the very least, you know, Bob's happy that I created this good this character that 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 people like, and so he's going to let me create other characters. So I'll make the next guy Filipino. Cool. So so then he became Filipino, and that and then so that's why then when we decided, um, that was when I, the first time I did that thing of since because uh, Bob liked the character, but he said I want him to be really badass because I want him to counter um, a Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So we kept his nice character, but we want him to come out of the Days of Future Past. Uh, um, um, pissed off mm-hmm. um, as this badass guy, and and I go and and I hate that, and so I came up with that device of okay, let me create two buddies of his that come out with him, uh-huh. and these guys are so close to, to to this guy, this these two guys would do anything, these two guys would die for for Bishop. Yeah, that's how much they love this guy. That's how much this guy really isn't just a badass guy. This guy is a real true blue character. This is somebody you would die for. And so I could keep Bishop for a while really, really pissed off and mean, but but because you see these two guys die for him, then you go, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This guy can't just be all, you know, he can't just be all Wolverine. And then so then we were able to really quickly put in that scene where, I don't know if you remember, but uh, um, he uh, 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 he's waiting in Xavier's office and, and Storm comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's where we introduce 
that um, that other storyline that that then, and this part of the storyline um, we made with uh, Suzanne Gaffney. Okay. Um, Suzanne Gaffney was the assistant editor. Um, she was actually responsible for the Stormforge thing. Um, so when um, she saw Bishop coming in, she goes, "Oh wow, this will be a great foil third party triangle thing." Mm. And so she, so in talking of her, we came up with, why don't we have it that um, Bishop, in the future, as you know, when uh, you know, and Storm is dead, um, that he worships, you know, uh, 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 Storm, mm-hmm. and that Storm in in that day is this big martyred, um, you know, one of the best ever X Men of history, and blah blah blah. So it's you know, it's basically for him, it's basically God on high. For him, somebody just to worship. Yeah. And now he's in a situation where that door is going to open, <laughs> <laughs> and then this ghost of the past is going to come out there. Mm-hmm. And 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 so there, um, there, um, I can't remember the writing, but I remember the intent. The intent was to just have him dog face, just you know, he, he, you know, all his suave, all his, mm-hmm. his, his, you know, his, his. His, his his poker face, it's all gone. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's just, and, and I love it's that. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, you know, like you said, beforehand, he comes through the portal, he's taking care of business, badass yeah. and everything. Yeah. He, he still doesn't even believe that the X-Men are who they say. You guys can't right. be, you're dead. And then she comes in, and he's just like, hey, can it be? <laughs> You know, and I always loved that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, one thing because if you remember, we, we then came up with image, right? Right. So we left. But if we didn't do image and we stayed, mm-hmm. that would have been really, really interesting because then we would have been into to, to to start to develop in Bishop. Hey. I got a chance in a lifetime with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could break the ice cream. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, well, you know what? That's a good segue, Wills, um, right into um, Image. Um, and this was about the time that I know myself as a fan, like, oh, man, you know, coming off of the X books and once you guys formed up Image, man, you know, it was at a fever pitch for me, just as a fan personally. <laughs> Um, and I know the 1992 Chicago Comic Con was, right. you know, right. critical. That was like critical mass as far as like, you know, really coming out with the bang, you know, right. as far as they introduce an image. Um, just what, what was it so, what was it like being so popular with fans, even though the company itself was, you know, had just barely been announced, was still kind of fledgling. Um, I know Jim Valentino kind of described it as, you know, three days of seeing nothing but belt buckles, you know, with you guys just <laughs> signing and so forth. But, um, yeah, what, what was what was that, that, that you know, atmosphere like? It was almost like, you know, you guys were rock stars, at least to us as fans. Well, again, I have to put it in context. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, if, 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 if you talk to a, a lot of actors and, and other creative uh, uh, you know, popular people. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll say they'll, they'll just say the same things. I mean, you know, my my kids right now are really heavy into the Beatles, mm-hmm. and uh, I was heavy into Beatles when I was a kid, and they had the same reactions that we had. That um, the context is before Image. It was even though everybody knew who Stan and Jack were yeah. was. Um, 
uh, and even though San Diego had existed for a while already at that point, it wasn't. It was still this little tiny community thing, mm-hmm. you know. And and you didn't really go to San Diego. You you know, if you happen to live in the area or live in L.A., then then you know you had friends calling you up and hey man, I'm going to San Diego. Are you going to go? It'd be be cool. So we could, you know we, we could you know, get a chance to see each other and talk about stuff and maybe do some others and you know talk about doing some other books and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and so it was just a casual thing, you know. And like I said, before, while we were sitting in the X office, we started noticing there, there really are fans out there. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, the few conventions that Jim and I would go to would start out as, okay, you know, there's all these geeks and we're all these <laughs> young, they were all, we're all these geeks on the other side of the camera yeah. and everybody's trying to be polite but get their stuff done. And, you know, uh, I'd quickly do a head or something, or Jim would quickly do a head, and then all of a sudden there's a line forming in front of us, mm-hmm. and then requests for half bodies, so we start doing half bodies, and then, you know, Jim and I are competing, so Jim <laughs> takes a bigger paper, I take out books, I you know, and pretty soon we're doing full body, you know, ink <laughs> stuff, and there's this huge line going down the hall. And we're going, hmm. And then other times we're signing, and... It's like every other person has an X-Men t-shirt. And mm-hmm. everybody doesn't have the same t-shirt. So it's like 10, 12 of our drawings on these t-shirts. Oh. And we're going, you know, and, you know as, a, as a little side comment, you know, we didn't know about this. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> told us about this. You know, but then we started, again, we started making that, that connection. Wow, people are really reacting to this people, mm-hmm. I mean there are really people out there that really seem to want to I mean we were at the uh, 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 um, one of the very first ones we were at the, the Cow Palace in San Francisco mm-hmm. and and this was way back then and just happened to be the 49ers were there <laughs> we had lines as long as they had wow <laughs> and we were going dude <laughs> and they were coming up to us going who the fuck are you guys? <laughs> Did you guys hire these people to stand in line? <laughs> and so we started going, wow, wow, you know, there's so then we started studying the business mm. and we found out that the business actually was very, very, uh, very, very simple compared to other industries. Right, right. Um, going from there, one of the things that I noticed was um, that you, um, taught comics like in the late 90s like you actually uh, founded a uh, comic school uh, mm-hmm. back in the Philippines yeah now now are do you did you naturally embrace that role uh, and did you see it as a <laughs> did you see it as a way of giving back you know to foster like the next generation of you know Pinoy comics you know coming out of the islands <laughs> um uh to put things in context again uh, it was about uh, I was uh, it was about my 16th year and uh, we were we were just into I think uh, Heroes Reborn, mm-hmm. and so we were making the Warm Herbo Circle back into Marvel again, and so the, the the whole community was now a happy well not a happy family, but it was the beginning of you know tying up those those lost bridges. Um, uh, at, at that point, I. 
was just, you know, still on that roller coaster. And, mm. and after 16 years, I was going, let's cool my jets for a little while, um, try to get a different perspective on things, get away from the the image stardom thing, you mm -hmm. know, and the Philippines as far as I could go. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> it was happening there too. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, no, at first I didn't embrace it. Um, uh, I was there and then all these um, kids just kept finding out, figuring out who I was, finding out I was there. Mm -hmm. And they basically sucked me back into comics. Oh. And um, um, I'm very thankful for that because, uh, like most artists, you learn on your own. You, yeah. you learn in your room in mm -hmm. high school. You know, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to the parties. You're not doing the football games. Um, you're, you're in there in your room, just banging your head, trying to make sense of the, you know, of trying to be able to draw what you what you see, what you what you what you see in your head. Mm -hmm. And um, because you grew up like that in in a nonverbal way, you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. is that when you do finally get those skills together, you can't verbalize those skills. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you talk to almost all artists, especially if they're just starting out. And so I was kind of at that point, but I was a little beyond that because I'd been mentoring a, a lot of people before that. Um, just during conventions and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of those people have become professionals or become art directors in other um, fields and stuff. And so when they sucked me in and I put together this crew, and then, you know, it was Linnell Yu, it was yeah. Phil Tan, it was Jerry Allen Gillen, it was Edgar Today. I was going, wow, I got lucky here. These guys actually can be somebody. <laughs> and... I was at the tail end of, uh, of Heroes Reborn, and they and they, they, I was still when Marvel was really, really pushing that. Mm -hmm. And so I had all my contacts back with Marvel, and 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 so I go, wow, maybe I can get some of these guys in. And you know, I got Lanil a job uh, in about two months. Wow. I got his. I got. He got. Well, I mean, he. He was one of the. Uh, he was a rare point. I mean, you know, everything I said, he did. He jumped. Yeah. You know, no matter what I said, he 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 jumped. I later found out that it was summer for him, and um, past that summer would be the start of his college, and his his parents were middle class, and mm. so if he didn't do something in that summer, he would have to become a doctor or an engineer or something. Oh. So he, so. That's why he jumped. But because he did that, I was able to get him Wolverine within like two months. And I said, oh, wow. You know, and started getting, I got Roy job. I got Terry job. I got all these people jobs. And I said, wow, this is kind of cool. And I, uh, I had this big house and mm -hmm. um, they were living in because it's so big that I, I had, there was a big room for them. And there was a big studio with 10 tables for them. And then... It, it, it was like a, a real cool place, and 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 that that only lasted for a few years, uh, though some of our happier years, because you know then I wanted you know I settled down and I wanted to start a family, yeah. and we knew we had to raise them over here because the education system is good there, but it's not accredited, so we 
we were count, you know, we were knocking on wood that our our kids, you know, were, were going to be smart. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for me, knock on wood, my two girls are four point ah. <laughs> um, So we came back over here, but uh, everybody I meet now wants to be an artist now. Wow, definitely, definitely, and, and you know that I, I think the 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 theme throughout our whole conversation and what I've gathered just from you know, reading interviews and just, you know, appreciating your art over mm-hmm. the years. It's just kind of like your indomitable spirit towards it all. <laughs> and, and and the reason I say that, too, is because, you know, kind of like um, one of my last questions before, before we close up here. Um, in 2000, you had actually fallen into a coma um, yeah. with your uh, condition with diabetes. And once you recovered from the coma... Um, you, you've mentioned in a couple of places that you kind of, in a sense, had to relearn some of the, um, the skills to kind of get back to where you were. And just uh, that indomitable spirit, I'm sure, came in handy. But, you know, what, what was it like trying to really relearn and get your skills back up to par, you know, once, um, once that uh, coma happened? You know, it, 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 it was a real lesson in life, and it was... And it was it was it was not a new bridge. It was actually the same thing that has always been happening. You know, everything that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, believe it or not, okay, it, it, I come back from the Philippines. Uh, my wife was pregnant with my first girl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can't fly on an airplane um, past your seventh month. Mm-hmm. So it was her seventh month. So we arrived in the in, back in the United States. Uh, I believe it was May. Uh, yeah, and so she was a little late. So um, uh, the first, very first day of August, my little girl was born. So just mm-hmm. a couple months, right? Yeah. So a couple months later, my my little girl is born, and it was a heat wave that summer in San Diego, and and I. I, I grew up as a, a lover of juice, especially grape juice. Yeah. And so it was hot, so I was chugging. <laughs> and a week after my girl is born, I don't wake up, right? Whoa. Whoa. Okay. And so when I wake up a week later, mm-hmm. um, and I had this other thing that, because when I woke up in that week, I'd already, I'd actually lost 32 pounds. Wow. Um, so... And when you lose 32 pounds quickly like that, you kind of get disconnected to your muscles and your nervous system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, uh, I remember like six months later, the, the, my doctor had given me the okay to, to start lift weights again. And I remember, I mean, I, I vividly remember um, picking up a, a dumbbell. And with, I think it was my right hand and starting doing some curls, just you know, just like two, because I mean, that's all I could do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, remember, and remember, my left hand hadn't done anything yet. All of a sudden, my right hand felt like 200 pounds. Oh, man. It was, and, and all it was was, you know, the nerves reconnecting. Yeah. You know, with the arm. And then so I do the left arm, and now I'm even. But then my, my top feels heavy because my legs aren't connected. But see, that, that, that was part of that. And so um, I didn't realize at the time. Um, because it was like six months later when I started to try to draw again, mm-hmm. that um, uh, my brain had also got disconnected to the memories. But it was a weird feeling because I could, it is weird. I, the only way I can describe it is I could, I could feel and see all my skills, <laughs> all my knowledge around in my head, but I, I couldn't grab any of it. I, none of it was connected 
to anything. You know, like I could think of an arm, but the bicep and the tricep memories would, I could see them, but they, they wouldn't, you know, connect to, hey, I'm drawing an arm, so, you know, you should be over here yeah. <laughs> so I could remember you. Um, so so that's what happened. So, But to go back, a week after I, uh, my, my little girl was born, I go into a coma. And so a week after that, now two weeks my girl is alive for two weeks, I wake up, and people don't believe me, but for a whole year after that, I never once asked my doctor what happened. You know what I asked my doctor when I woke up? What's that? Can I hold my baby? Oh, man. And, and he said, no. Uh, I, so then what, I got, what do I got to do? Tell me. I want to hold my baby. And he goes, well, tomorrow, if you can sit up, we'll talk about it. So mm-hmm. tomorrow I sit up. And he goes, okay, well, tomorrow, if you can stand up on your own two feet. So the next day I stand up. Okay, if you can walk around the, the room the next day. You know, so he had me go through these paces, the Tessa, and, and then fi- finally was discharged about 10 days later. Mm-hmm. And was able to hold my uh, my child for a little for a little while because again you know all my muscles were connected. Yeah. And seriously, for that whole year, I only thought about getting better so that I could hold my baby. Mm. That's all I thought about, and that's actually what kind of saved me because, I mean, you you we've all heard those stories of you know worse things happening to people them losing a leg or something like that. Yeah. And it's human nature to to just go in into yourself. Mm-hmm. And psychologists will always say that's the wrong thing to do. You know, you, you got to concentrate on on getting better. Mm-hmm. And so, since I never opened that door to okay, so how really screwed up was I? <laughs> you know, um, all I concentrated on was okay, what do I need to do next? And so, when I learned six months later that I really couldn't draw anymore, um, I go, okay, well, you know. I gotta feed this little girl, and uh, so, okay, let me start watercoloring again. Mm-hmm. Let me start. Um, uh, uh, then I went into uh, um, oils, and then I started sculpting for a little bit, and I, I get, got back on the computer, and slowly, slowly, I started remembering everything. And this time, as a, like I was saying to you before about you know, uh, most artists growing up in a nonverbal way. This time, every time I relearn something, I stopped and go, okay, let me try to verbalize what that is, just to, just to, just to make that idea and memory stick in my head. Yeah. And so now I could actually now, because of those years, I mean, it, it was years, seriously, it was hmm. years. I'm thankful for the people that let me draw in between those years, but seriously, for those first 10 years or so, or, you know, six to 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, I really shouldn't have been drawing, you know, because I was, my memory was just, just lapsing. In fact, I know, I now understand now that my short memory, short-term memory is shot. Mm. I mean, I mean, there was a time where I could look at a pose, look at somebody for five seconds, put my head down and just draw it from memory. Now I have to, keep looking up and keep remembering, keep, I mean, that's why you'll see my sketchbooks now, just full of just anatomy studies, mm-hmm. just me, I mean, even after I've just done an issue that I'm really happy with, I still have to keep remembering it, you know, um, but those those 10 years have allowed me, and again, because I did it 
consciously and verbally, have allowed me now to, now I can draw better than I've ever been and more consistently. But it is a struggle because of my short-term memory. So, but because of those years, I know what to do. I know when to stop. I know when to shut down. I know when to go sideways. I know when to jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead of you know, just being frustrated. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the the last question I have for you, Wills, is um, in regards to, I guess, um, are are you working um, or or do you have any plans to do like any um, digital work as far as like your published work at all? Because I was looking at um, non-humans and... um, so some of that looks like it, it may have been um, digital because, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the colors and the uh, line art itself look almost integrated. Like it was mm-hmm. maybe, you know, done all digitally. Um, is that a possibility for you or something that you've thought about doing? It's something that I've always been thinking about doing. I mean, mm-hmm. before I got into, you know, well, no, as I got into comics, um, um, I was one of the first batches of people that actually got into computers. Mm-hmm. Um in uh, I actually bought my first computer in eighty six I, I think it was or eighty yeah eighty six or eighty seven mm-hmm. it was an Amiga two thousand <laughs> and the Amiga two thousand back then was the first machine that could do ray trace three d animation oh. and um, uh, so i I've been doing animation and digitals and getting into the digital stuff um, uh, from the very beginning. Um, in fact, uh, when when we did Image, we collectively got together and said, you know, we're going to do the same superhero comics to keep our audience because we want to keep our audience and then grow it. Um, but we got to uh, we need something different. We need some new, something new, something everybody else isn't doing. Mm-hmm. And so the office manager at the time for Wildstorm, who was uh, Jim's manager, was John Nee. Mm-hmm. And he had a Mac store. And so he brought in Macs, and then he found this program called Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And Brian Haberlin on the Tom Cow side, because he was integrated into um, Homage at that time. That 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 time, Top Cow was with Homage at that time. Yeah. So on the Top Cow side, they had Brian with uh, with his assistant, and then it was basically me and um, Ben Sinclair as my assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all put together to the put on the problem of trying to figure out how to use Photoshop to draw comics. And at the time. Um, there were some inroads in digital, but it but it it was all technical. Um, uh, Akira, if you remember, yeah. was the color digitally, but it was with this totally technical system, where you had to actually punch in the number codes for colors, mm-hmm. and you had to punch in the coordinates for where you wanted those colors to be. Man. And so that's why it was very simple, and that's why they were just simple graduations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were really no drawing tools or anything. And so Johnny presented um, us with uh, Photoshop, which actually had drawing tools. But back then, you got to remember, um, the CPU rates were... I mean, every, uh, all, the CPU, all the computers at that, 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 that time were built to, 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 to write copy. Right. You know, so to do art, that's that's like crazy. I mean, this is how crazy it was. When we would finish an issue, we actually had to physically unscrew the hard drive <laughs> and drive that over to the to, to, to the negative place where they would then take 
plug that into their computer to cut out a negative that we could send to the printer. Wow. You know, that's how primitive it was back then. So you can imagine, like, I remember doing um, uh, uh, the Wetworks double spread cover. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to select the whole background so I could do this um, sunset. Yeah. It took 25 minutes for it to, the computer to select that background. Wow. And, and so you had to really think hard, okay, which colors do I want it to graduate to and where do I want it to graduate to? Because once you click that graduate um, tool, mm-hmm. it took another 30 minutes to actually get it. And if it was wrong, then it took another 10 minutes to erase that, mm-hmm. to undo that, and then another 30 minutes to, to see if the new parameter works. Mm. So it, that's, that was one of the main reasons we were 24 hours. Um, but see, I was the I was the only image guy that wasn't scared of computers and, and actually loved computers. And so it was my job just to be the artist guy and to take Photoshop where I could as an artist. So I all I did was play on it on it. And and uh, Brian, being an artist, also himself, but but on the but he was more a technical technical guy. Him and then Ben would just watch me and try to figure out how to do all that technically and put it all on paper because we realized even at that point that this might work if we can get big enough machines and John was on the way to getting us the biggest machines that he could that if we could figure this out and get the right machines we're going to need to hire a lot of people Mm. and train them to do this because we're about ready to put out a lot of different books yeah and so, you know, we, we can't just, you know, just have the four of us doing one book at a time every month because it just it was just that slow. So I would just go crazy and play, and then they would, you know, you know, uh, 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 take it and try to economize it, try to find different tools or different processes to do what I was doing mm-hmm. and, 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 and teach areas. So anyways, I was, I've always been in, in it, in fact, when everybody was buying Cintiqs, years before that, I was buying um, one of the versus Sony Vios. Okay, yeah. And the Sony Vios, oh, so you probably know then, one of the Sony Vios were basically a Cintiq, but it came with its own CPU. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so, so it, I mean, that's why I didn't initially go into the Cintiqs, because you had to buy a machine then. And no, and it, was, it wasn't really quantified at that time whether the Cintiq, Hardware would work well with another, with a separate piece of hardware. So I got into the Sony, so I got into Vio, and then right after that, then those years, which is why then after that I didn't buy a Cintiq. After that, I hated being chained to my to my room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it. I I just thoroughly enjoyed myself. I did a lot of wet works on there, mm. and but I hated. How, getting an idea or getting it, uh, figure out how to do something, and then having to get in my car and drive home. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I started getting into the tablet PCs, which were basically Cintiqs, but in a laptop form. Mm-hmm. So they had their own CPUs too, and, and you could carry them around. In fact, the biggest job I did was uh, I did an, a job for Oakley, three drawings and because they wanted to be able to blow them up to these huge huge banners um, each of those files and this was like five six years ago each of those files was uh, uh, 1.5 gigabyte 
by itself. Whoa. And I did those on these tablet PCs right. five years ago. Wow. You know, um, uh, so uh, my point uh, my, to answer your question, I've always wanted to do um, um, comics fully digital. In fact, while we were still with um, Wildstorm, we were playing around with transposing the uh, the animation process mm-hmm. um, into comics, where even back then I was exploring um, having the art crew draw every, draw all the characters in the background separate mm-hmm. so that we could animate those later on um, and, and that uh, and also just like the animation pipeline we could then get a better uh, 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 assembly line into um, getting everything everything done so we could actually have um, uh, background colorists Mm-hmm. Um, and separate um, figure colorists um, and separate effects colorists, so that we could just like this Japanese system, have a have a big head that directs and controls everything, and everybody's trying to mimic his style, but a huge team, a huge studio, working to get these big, huge properties out, like Akira and Appleseed and stuff like that. Yeah, and that was way back then, but. You know, like the new Cintiq. I'm finally going to buy a Cintiq. The okay. New Cint- <laughs> the new Cintiq Companion, which is basically a 13-inch tablet with full windows on it, so I can load up um, full, um, you know, uh, uh, Creative Suite, you know, Photoshop, mm-hmm. and still do two gigabyte files because that's 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 the biggest file I've I've worked on in mm-hmm. comics. Every uh, we used to do 300 DPI. Now. People are asking for 400 or 600 because they're thinking ahead. Maybe they might have to make this cover into a poster, into a big banner for a convention or something. Right. So they don't want any loss, you know, resolution. Mm-hmm. So now the files are getting really big. So finally, Centic is coming out with a portable Centic that has its own CPU. Um, it has an i7 inside it, and uh, you're gonna, I'm gonna be able to, you know, draw while on the plane, draw on the hotel, draw on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll be able to um, go around doing that stuff. But um, for the time being, for the first few years, as we, as we make the transition, if we ever do, uh, everything still will be real, real, you know, really drawn and really inked. But um, I do see a, a, a time where um, there will be value to um, to the printed uh, artwork medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just have to look at museums. Or you have quote unquote, you know, the real artists, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci and, and painters and stuff like that. And uh, nobody can buy the paintings, but people pay a lot of money for, you know, a real good print or a print, you know, printed on canvas to yeah. mimic, you know, a painting and stuff like that. And I think if we keep the format of the art and keep it art, that um, that's going to be the future for us. That we'll be able to sell prints and. Um, and, and portfolios, uh, I mean, really high-end content stuff that, because again, this is an HD crowd, mm-hmm. so if they're going to buy anything print, they want something HD too, pristine. Right. Oh, man. Well, well, Will, this has been a fascinating conversation. I, I really appreciate you speaking with me tonight, man. Oh, it's been oh, a real hey, no, treat. no problem, man, no problem. And, you know, you know, let's bump into each other one of these, I mean, you know, always going to conventions and stuff. I like to putting faces to, you know, to voices. Absolutely. Same here.
Thank you.